Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In an actual uh, introduction to this podcast, I'm just, I mean, I'm Scott Tilford, you're Josh Brown. I certainly am, Scott. Still am after, even though we haven't done this for a few weeks, I'm still <laughs> Josh Brown, don't you worry. I think it's only been a couple of weeks, but it's been, it was E3 last week. I was away bobbing about on, on the lakes in the Lake District, getting a boat out like an absolute mad lad, but it's brilliant. Recommend it. <laughs> and that makes it feel like any sort of outdoor thing always elongates time anyway, I find. Um, but yeah, we're just sort of going to do a general podcast on the sort of, you know, the introducing the topic of what is the best game of 2021 so far. And we'll have a ton of of 21 so far type stuff on the channel and where we're going to look into the best games, the worst games, the most disappointing games, the most surprising games, the most overrated games, tons of different stuff. But as a sort of opening salvo to that thing, I thought me and you would have a wider conversation on what it what it's felt like to sort of follow the gaming industry in 2021. And what's your general thoughts on that because I, I i it's it's the end of june mate how is it i can't believe it the end of june i just can't believe it you know i saw um we did a we did a movie best movies of 2021 um right. list on the site and i thought oh it's a bit it's a bit early for that it's a bit premature <laughs> to get february, that one up it? so like, it's yeah. not yeah it's not it turns out it's not february it's not march it's not even may or april it's it's the end of june and now we have to tally up everything we played and to Disgusting. be honest scott like when when we were talking about this this morning, when we floated whether or not to do this podcast, this mid-year kind of retrospective, I was wondering, I was thinking, have I played enough? Has there been enough out? And mm. then you go back and see everything that's been out. And there's been loads. And I realized that I haven't stopped playing video games all year. I've literally gone from one <laughs> to another, into the next, into another one, which sometimes, you know, for me, especially early on in the year, when mm. sometimes there's not much out, I like, I find myself unknowingly taking a break or having a bit of a gap between releases not mm. this year my friend it's been it's been a strange one it's been a complete blur but i think as we're about to discuss there have been a lot of good games along the way well that's the thing i'm gonna i'm gonna reel off the uh the because i did a, i did a short list before i start putting together the best games of the year in list form these aren't in order at all um, and we're gonna spotlight some specific titles which i'll also include in this big list but i'm just gonna run some stuff down because i think it's worth just taking stock of where we are like yes it's the end of june um, and it it feel I mean it feels like a lifetime ago since Hitman Three came out, but I think um, just to sort of very quickly go through these things, there are a lot of games. Um, you know, there's Genesis Noir, there's Near Replicant, there's Cyber Shadow, Super Mario 3D World, and Bowser's Fury, Overboard, The Medium, Hitman Three, 
Alba, New Pokemon Snap, The Pedestrian, Monster Hunter Rise, Disco Elysium, Returnal, It Takes Two, Knockout City, Resident Evil Village, and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Now, I don't think I've missed any. That's just cream of the crop type stuff. That's the stuff that's, yeah. they're all in the conversation for Game of the Year so far. But in my mind, the year was just Hitman and Resident Evil. And I just sort of, <laughs> I'd blanked, I'd forgot the rest of it. Even the best game on PS5 right now, Ratchet and Clank. But um, yeah, I mean, have you found yourself sort of, when you think back on the first half of the year, like what starts to stick out before? Because we've got a little shortlist of stuff that we're going to spotlight, but what, what comes to mind? Well, it's funny, you know, I, I can I can spotlight one that I actually forgot about initially <laughs> put on your list, and that's Hitman 3. That thing Good. obviously came out in um, January, of course, but mm-hmm. that that's a highlight of the year for me. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed my time with that. I'm really excited to go back to it um, more. I didn't play it as much as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hitman stands out, and um, Disco Elysium definitely stands out for me. Mm-hmm. And then recently, my entire time has just been taken up by the Mass Effect um, trilogy, but early in the year, it's dominated think, by Hitman, dominated by Disco. Do you think that we... I, I'm, I, the answer to this question is no, because I have to bite my own self in the bottom, because I already tried this conversation in 2017 with the Crash remakes, and we didn't put Spyro on it. Does Mass Effect count? I don't think it does, especially 2 <sighs> and 3, but does Mass Effect 1 count, because they overhauled the gameplay? New time listeners to this podcast <laughs> or this channel um, may not understand the pain that no. we went through in 2017 over this. We had a game of the year roundup, as we do every single year, and we had fierce, fierce debates in the office over whether or not Crash and Sin Trilogy counted. I said it did because it had completely overhauled everything yeah. from the ground up, you know, a complete ground up remake of the of the original games. And Scott said, no, ultimately, I don't, did it go on it? Did it end up on it? Well, so we, that's it the did. thing. If you want to go back to that year, if you look at the games of the year for 2017, the, the round table discussion that we did, the blind ranking that we did, you yeah. and Jules both put, because it was blind ranking, so whatever you put at number one got 10 points descending all the way down. And you and Jules put Crash and Sin Trilogy at like number two or three or something. <laughs> so that meant that, that it got there on the actual video version of that at the end of of the year which was complete insanity if you want to if you want to look at some <laughs> video version coverage of the of a, a representation of those conversations we were having in the office and um, yeah that that i can't i still i still don't think it counts because it's just a visual <laughs> overhaul um and i wouldn't say the demon souls counts either if i was going to do last year stuff because it's just visuals i think if the geo meshes are the same if the environments are the same the mechanics are the same i don't think it counts i still don't think the mass effect does either I love this. This so the same, but yeah, is like the original sin of Scott and Josh conversations. We've been <laughs> arguing about this adamantly for years. It spilled over from that crash thing into its own dedicated podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we had to put your friend and mine, Ash Millman, through it. It's like a middle. <laughs> middle chair to host this argument between us two that doesn't matter anyway what, what does matter is whether or not Mass Effect counts I don't yes. think it does because no. it's not this roundup thing it is mostly just a visual remaster and while they did touch up the combat in one specifically um, and it's loot. very much a remaster and very much uh, not a remake that said mm. it's still probably the most fun I've had this year like, I loved <laughs> going through all three of those games like I put in like a hundred hours between them just getting to the end of Mass Effect 3 now and they like they are awesome they are That's they the hold up I... I think they're worth full price you know that's the thing that i almost want to spotlight is just mass effect as a trilogy like the mass effect legendary edition if you take it as all three games all the dlc is included the the loot system in the original the shooting mechanics everything is tweaked everything comes together a hell of a lot tighter than it ever did across those original releases um and this is just pure hypothetical i don't think this should happen but the idea of it being discussed as a 2021 release is quite fascinating like if you took all those three games as one giant story um, and the way that no one else is doing what they're doing anymore, like there's like little side studios like Spiders, 
and will sort of do titles like that, um, but not to the same caliber at all. Like Bioware, retrospectively, you know, or retroactively, still incredibly fresh. Like Mass Effect still feels so fresh because no one else is doing it. And I think yeah. that that's, it makes for a really interesting conversation because I know that some people, when they do their games of the year stuff, they just look at what was the release date? Okay, that is a game of that year. And I always push back against that and um, pernickety AF as I am because that means that you can have like the Mega Man collection or the Castlevania re-releases or something and they're some of the greatest games of all time and they don't count and so I'm always pushing back against that how far do you go in that regard like would you have like Street Fighter 2 Hyper Turbo Edition would class as like 2021 or something like that well it's it's just so granular it's so case by case <laughs> like I'll probably contradict myself talking about it because you know we talk about Disco Elysium that I was gonna say Ben Roy doesn't Ben Roy doesn't want yeah, Disco yeah. yeah he doesn't want yeah. Disco on here. He he reckoned well, it came out on PC and whatever. But again, I push back against that. Console releases are the top tier. That's all you need to go from. Which, yeah, it could be. Honestly, it, my, my head's so blank. I think it's um, like just indicative of the industry now that it used to be quite cut and dry. Like a game would come out mm. and then that would be of its year. Now it's like games, game, look, like, look at game reviewing for like a lot of sites. They do review and progress until the game gets patched. The game mm. adds content. Like if you look at Destiny 1 from when it launched compared to the end of its lifespan when they stopped like supporting it with big expansions, like completely different games, completely different games. And I remember I think it was IGN or one site, sorry if I got that wrong, who gave Rainbow Six Siege like game uh, of the year, the year oh, or I think two it was after Polygon. it came out. Polygon, mm-hmm. which I stand by, stand, stand, by, stand by <laughs> because that was um, so overhauled and so changed um, by that point that it sort of did feel like a, a new game, a new mm-hmm. version of that title. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think the conversation just generally is just shifting as we get into these games of service, into these patches, into these... Um, you know, ports and remasters and remakes and all that jazz. So I don't know anymore, Scott Taylor, but I thought I knew in 2017 <laughs> when we were talking about Crash and Saint Trilogy. I thought I had some rules for it, but now the rules don't. The rules don't. Well, exist. the thing is, I had to go through this when I did the best PS5 games because what the hell even is a PS5 game? I ended up like nailing that down to being like, well, it's the when the PS5 is a dominant platform during development, or when it's a complete PlayStation 5 exclusive. But then you have all those conversations around things like obviously like Sackboy, it's or even Horizon. Upcoming Horizon was apparently developed predominantly on ps4 but it's gonna be a ps5 game but it's absolutely not that it was a ps4 game that's gonna be upscale i hate that i hate how, how weirdly granular and atomized all of it's become where it's like we just need to talk about the games in these brackets but they're harder to fit um anyway though to bring it back around to 2021 <clears throat> confirmed stuff and things that we've been playing um because me and you haven't talked about this too much i don't know if you have much time to get back to it or not um but have you been back on ratchet and clank since you initially dove on <sighs> Sadly not. I'm <coughs> going to get back to it. Um, I, I loved what I played. I only played the first mission or so. Um, I loved what I played. I'm excited to get back to it, but I just haven't had a chance mm. to set the time aside to play it yet. That is more than fair. I think the thing is that I was talking to Mr. James Dowse this morning, who he, he messaged me and he's like, oh my God, he's like, Ratchet and Clank just finished it. He's like, outstanding. And I was like, I thought he was going to go, but something. He's like, no, no, no. It's literally just- the most perfect thing ever. Like it literally is ludicrously spot on. Um, and I think that's the, for me, that's the front runner for Game of the Year. Because I feel like the the five games that we've shortlisted before we started recording are Ratchet and Clank, Hitman 3, Returnal, Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil Village, and Disco Elysium, The Final Cut. Um, which which of those stands out to you? I, I do, actually, it's interesting for you because is Returnal beating Disco for you? Well, uh, it's like a two-way tie. I think Disco's <laughs> top, but for whatever reason, if it wasn't eligible, Returnal would definitely be my second best game of right. the year. To me, they're like the two to beat 
going into the second half. And I think it's going to be quite tough because mm. both of those things I loved. I platinumed <laughs> Returnal, played like 50 hours of it. You actually managed to and platinum Returnal? missed it. I managed it. Like the, 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 the final trophy they thankfully patched or they're going to patch now they've acknowledged it it was a right dick to get because it was just rng up the wazoo and it was awful and it was not a nice time scott and yes i crave it i wish i had it back in my life (laughs) i wish i was still doing that throw me head against a brick wall to try and get this last hieroglyph whatever it was um but yeah channel for me is just you know i think we're going to have a strong argument when it comes to the best playstation 5 games i think you'll go ratchet and clank and um, mm. again, I still have most of that game to play, but Returnal is going to take some topping because while it's not as visually spectacular as a game, it's just, it's so tight. And I, it's I, such I, just, a, oh, I couldn't get myself off it. It's such like a sleek, like mechanical, like clockwork mechanism of a game. And I kind of want to appreciate, like Hades felt like that. And I don't think Returnal is anywhere near Hades. Obviously they're in the same genre, but I feel like that whole idea of a whole bunch of in- in- interconnected systems and reward loops and like, oh, I'm going to try this, I'm going to poke and prod in this direction. Maybe I'll unlock a different weapon or an item or a boost or something. Um, I wanted more of that from Returnal because I think you've been keeping up with the the dev side of it a bit more than I have. Like you were saying that the because to me that that game's launch was still pretty solid. But I know that they did acknowledge because everyone had a whole conversation around the save system and whether or not you know that you should be able to um, save more frequently or to checkpoint you at some point because it is just going on a run. And if your PS5 dies, then you just lose everything. And like they were, yeah. I think they got out there and said that they believe in their initial vision for it and they weren't going to tweak the saves that much, but they were going to tweak the drop rates and they were going to give you better weapons and better upgrades and stuff and that's the thing that makes me go back to it and go okay it's you weren't as proficient in your rolling out of these mechanics as the likes of um super giant were with hades because that game is just immaculate and as far as i know they haven't obviously it was in early access for a bit longer so i guess they got to tweak it like you know through all those versions but yeah in terms of like the things that make returnal hold up like yeah have you like been following it over the few months do you think it's still it's it's held up like extremely well since launch to now I think so, yeah. I mean, I haven't been keeping in the past few weeks or I guess month or so, I haven't been keeping close attention to the exact patches that they're sending out. I did see the trophy thing the other day, but yeah, they, you know, you know, they said that they were listening to fan feedback, listening to how people want to play it and give them more options and stuff. For me, the, the game that launched was impeccable. I can see, mm. obviously, how if you don't have much time to play the game, it's just it's not going to be for you, and that sucks. You know, I hope that those players who only get you know half an hour of time per night get a get a way to save their progress. You know, so mm-hmm. they don't have to lose it because they you know the life comes up or whatever. And um, I hope those options do get implemented in some form. But overall, like you know, I think the way that thing doles out its mechanics and the way it like gets you into the world, like I, I do think it's it's really smart and it, it makes you engaged in what you're doing and the way the levels open up you know you've got these six big biomes and for me they just get better the more they go like i love the back half of that game even more mm-hmm. than i love the first half obviously you've got to get to the back half uh, to appreciate I, I, the boss. end of the third but, biome boss is the thing that seems to be the big roadblock for the most people i think that has the lowest well i guess it wouldn't have any more the lowest percentage of completion but it did have initially and um, because it's like that whole thing which is just something that just jars with some people and it's definitely what made me go oh f this which is just that idea of you put in because a run can take like an hour or maybe an hour and a half if you're doing well um, or at least let's say 45 minutes or something it doesn't to be honest it could take two minutes if i lose that progress completely i'm going to be annoyed <laughs> yeah. but um still if you're putting that amount of time in and in return if you just die because the ps5 loads so fast and you realize that oh i'm just watching the introductory cutscene again oh i'm i'm just back at the start again like oh just there you go do it again and um, it's only <laughs> when you get through that third biome that you get like i guess like a, a mid-game checkpoint where you can start from and it's like okay do the next three biomes but if you yeah. die on that third biome boss 
um, and you get and you see the introductory cutscene again, I absolutely see people going <laughs> f this forever. I know James Dallas yeah. hated that. Well, this is like this is where I get to do a, a slight humble brag because <laughs> thankfully. I never had to experience that. I was very lucky in that I died a lot when I was in the regular levels, but I never died to actually any of the any of the bosses. Like I got through them all. That is door. insane. Somehow, so I never had that feeling of getting to the end of Biome Three, then getting kicked all the way oh, back. You, you know, by the see... time I got to Biome Three, I was I was fully maxed out. I was ready for this fight. Right. And admittedly, I just slipped through on that one, but I beat beat the boss, and I was like, okay, this is cool. Let's progress. Oh. You did this in Hades as well, where me and uh, Benroy and the world was saying it's as a hard game that, and you went, "What do you mean? I've just finished it. I did it in my first <laughs> run. I've just shook hands with Hades. He's totally fine." Um, that was like, a, yeah, like a whole thing of like figuring out um, how much you'll put up with in regards to like how much they want to reinforce the difficulty. But if you're like just good enough, you learn the patterns, or you learn the different ways to uh, evade everything, you can get pretty far. Because um, I managed to, um, event, I beat this, the third biome boss on my second shot, and then I managed to beat the boss after that, the organ guy. I think he's the next boss. Yeah. Um, the organ organ man uh, organ grinder man and uh, beat him but he killed me as i killed him so i didn't get the cutscene, and i respawned um at one of the um the like body replicant things that you can find i came out of that and then it popped the trophy and said i beat him anyway so it was a really weird mix where i was like i'm so glad you've still given me the victory but i also need to trek all the way <laughs> back there to get like the weapon that he dropped and stuff but um yeah returnal's a, a hell of a beast of a thing um and i think it, it's strange i was just talking to Dows about it this morning and he was like i he's like i appreciate that game he's like i would never recommend it to anybody but i do think it's immaculately put together and i'm like I, I do think everybody should play it. I think if you have a PlayStation 5, you kind of owe it to yourself because it's one of the only like big first party, I guess second party exclusives. Um, but I think you absolutely should play it, even though there are parts of it that make me just go, I absolutely, I I hate it at its <laughs> core. But I st I'm still going to try again. I've still got it installed. I refuse to uninstall it. Um, but yeah, let's move on to, could we, we touched a little bit on Disco. How do you think the um, Disco Elysium's aged across the year? Oh, very well. I was thinking of it. I was, I was, I was listening to the soundtrack this morning, Scott Tailford, before we even started talking about it. Nah, 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 nah. uh, <laughs> I am the rearranger. Um, <laughs> nah, Disco for me is like game of the year, and it's it. You know, I was going into it with high expectations, like I think I said in our discussion of it afterwards. So mm -hmm. I won't spend too much time repeating myself. But I went into it with extremely high expectations, and it somehow shattered them. That's how good I thought it was, <laughs> and you know, like that genre like that type of isometric rpg especially without any combat is not something i'm particularly familiar with so i was going into it wondering whether i'd even enjoyed the concept of it the structure mm. of it the mechanics of it mm. but fortunately i did and those characters that world that atmosphere is something i think i will think about for once this year's gone once we're into the next decade i feel like it's going to be banked as one of those experiences that like i'll be thinking about in some form mm. forever I wish I felt that. <laughs> I definitely um, appreciate it. It's one of those games where I just wish I knew. I just I wish I was more politically aware. We said this in the in the dedicated podcast we did on it, but I feel like you need like a you need a certain level of political knowledge going into it. You need to know like the the baseline mentalities behind the likes of communism, capitalism, etc. Like it, it goes into those things in a way that, or at least for me, in terms of the characters that I talk to and then the order that I talk to them in, I got so lost off in terms of what I was supposed to be feeling and who I'm supposed to be going with and i still like i still love the way that thing rolls out i still think it totally works as like a murder mystery thing um because you're still working at, um playing as your main dude with this partner that you've been thrown together with and you're trying to solve this uh murder mystery of this or this guy who's been hung from a tree and what's happened with that and tracking down each piece of that case where you, you can you can just free roam around the whole city 
essentially of like Revachol and just kind of put it all together bit by bit. Um, that's some of the most engaging stuff that I've had all year, if not like in quite some time, like in terms of a detective story that just lets you piece it together of your own pace. It's like you find a piece of evidence and it's on you to go, oh, I think this character will know more about that. Or I think that this person will, they've been lying to me all along. I'm going to go and grill them on this thing. And the way that they made it so that you're developing a consciousness as you go, because your character is so blotto drunk at the beginning of it, uh, or so like so completely hung over that you're piecing your mind back together as you go. So you're realizing what personality you want to have and what sort of philosophies you want to abide by. That thing, I feel like it takes multiple playthroughs to really like fully appreciate it. Like I've I've sat with friends and and seen them play through bits of it um, and just watch them be blown away by it as it reacts to everything that they're saying. And I think that's the biggest takeaway thing. Um, I just personally felt a bit lost off and I was just kind of like, why does my dude know this? Why can't I ask about this thing? But I can't ask what's money, but I can't say, hold on, what's capitalism? Or what do you mean? <laughs> Not that I don't know what capitalism is, but why can't my dude ask about everything? That was what kind of threw me off um, for that sometimes anyway. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I do know what you mean. It is certainly an overwhelming game, especially game. when you start. It is very dense. It's very rich in terms of its the history that it creates. For me, it it did go into all of those concepts enough, so I at least had a grasping of an, an understanding of what they meant to this world specifically. So I never mm. felt like I mean, it, it, I did feel overwhelmed, but I felt like at least the resources were there for me to um, investigate if I ever got kind of like confused, or if I ever mm. got kind of like lost off. But it certainly is a lot of um, information and a lot of detail to hold in your head throughout the entire game. You know who all of these different characters are, who all of the different factions, all of the different mm. history, how everything interlinks. Interla- into it is something that you can't um, 
sort of just pick up and play and kind of like not zone out of, but you need to be in the moment. Like when I was playing it, I wanted to play it more than I was, but every single time, like I kind of wasn't playing it. It wasn't because I didn't want to play it. It was because, you know, maybe I had a long day. Maybe I was a little bit tired. Maybe right. I wasn't in the, in the zone to concentrate because you do need to. Oh, um, it's so heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the thing with um, trying to, because I, I I did that in Death Stranding as well. I don't I can I can hold a game's world in my head. Like I can I can do the whole I can do that whole thing. I'm trying to remember as much as possible. It goes as soon as I'm finished, but I can do it when I'm getting <laughs> there. And uh, and so that was the thing with Disco. I was like trying to sort of hold every little term they were throwing at me. And some of it was real world terminology. Some of it was in world terminology. And I was just trying to hold all this stuff. Um, and then not being able to ask like certain questions did sort of throw me off. But I think that that's a game that everybody should play, like because it very much holds a mirror up to how you want to approach the situation anyway. Um, and obviously, there's loads of different ways that it can branch. There's a whole um, percentage based sort of dice roll system in in, the, in regards to um, how you've specced and how that lets different situations play out. I think it's fascinating. I think it's an incredible game to watch play out. Um, and even if you just play it for the the disco rave scene, it's probably worth just doing <laughs> that just to sort of hang with some of the ravey boys. Um, so the um, next sort of massive game. We've got, I guess we, uh, like just to sort of round off the stuff on Ratchet and Clank, um, I think I would just obviously point people towards the review. There's a video review over on the channel. There's probably an audio version of it on this uh, feed as well. Um, Ratchet and Clank is for me the game to be. I just think that it's it's absolutely immaculate just to sort of lay that out. Um, I don't think it puts a foot wrong and I think it's a massive technical showcase for the PS5. And it's the thing that made me go, Insomniac deserve to be up there more like they kind of are up there but they need to be on this they are on the same level as rockstar and naughty dog for me like they've not um they haven't delivered a mature work the likes of a red dead a last of us yet um but they are getting there and i think the thing that they showed off and like if you go off the comments that the developers said on twitter about like we managed to do all of this without any crunch like they sort of and they've turned out so many games in such a short period of time um two ratchet and clanks two spider-man games uh including the spider-man remastered and everything um, and it just it just seems insane that they they are absolutely nailing it right now, and it feels like they need to be held up as one of the true greats. Like they're just a ludicrously proficient studio, and I feel like I want to just celebrate them like at every every yeah, opportunity. Man. Like you can see why now is the time that Sony finally bought them. Obviously, they've had mm. a working relationship with Sony for like what two decades, maybe longer. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, they made Ratchet and Clank for them before they were first party, but now it does feel like they're getting something else. They've had this like second win. Maybe it's because of Spider Man and how well that was received as well. Mm. But you know, even playing the opening level of Ratchet and Clank 2021, Rift Apart. The bit um, when the camera like, pans out and you see yeah. just how much detail is in that frame. It was unreal how polished it was and how well it worked as a set piece. You know, we had, for my money, we had similar things in Miles Morales as well. But mm. I want to see them take the spectacle, the staging, the scripted sequences combined with the gameplay and put that which is in Rift Apart and put it in the next Spider-Man. You know, I feel like that mm. would just, I feel like that would get them up to this naughty dog, this rock star level of detail of playability um, but you know, while Naughty Dog and while Rockstar take four or five years to put a game together, <laughs> Insomniac have been putting out a game like every two years, and each one has been, you know, they haven't missed in a long no. time. You might even say Sunset Overdrive was a miss, but even that wasn't a miss, I don't think. Like if you go back no, to that now, Sunset cool, Overdrive. Cool classic at this point. Cool classic, yeah. It's like that's like massively underrated. It didn't mm. sell much at the time, but it certainly wasn't like some kind of poor quality game. Like mm. sales weren't indicative of how good it was it was that was mainly just because the xbox fell so hard on its face i mean that killed the first titanfall that killed quantum break that anything that was hanging on to the xbox to stay afloat very much went down with the ship in 2013 2014 and but yeah ratchet's an immaculate thing and we'll talk about it more going forward obviously we'll talk about it at the end of the year as well um resident evil village where do you sit on that for me 
Um, just for the absolute lols of it, I almost put this at the top of our most disappointed list. And then I thought, <laughs> and I thought, no, I'll, that'll make little Ben no. Roy cry. So I can't, I can't do that. But I, <sighs> I don't, I don't, I don't care about it. I just don't care about it. I don't think it landed anything it was going for, but that's just me. Pains me, pains me to hear this, <laughs> especially because we were on the same team last year when Resident Evil 3 Remake came out. And we were both like, yeah, this is incredibly disappointing. This is not it, <laughs> Chief. That's a, that's a very dated meme that I don't know why I'm saying that in 2021. Master um, Chief, 2021, carry on. Very good, very good. Um, but now, in 2021, playing Resident Evil Village, I could disagree with you more, Scott Taylor, because this, again, exceeded expectations, and I'm still basking in its glow. I'm still waiting for a game, a story-driven game, that captures me in the same way, because I just thought mm. everything that Resident Evil 7 did, this did on like a much grander scale, on a more polished scale, um, and I just thought it was like from top to bottom really good. And for the most part, even though it still was cursed with the final act Resi syndrome a little bit, it has done as good as any as any of the best resis have done in terms of wrapping up its um, story mechanically. I thought like the final levels were still engaging. I thought the bosses were still, you know, interesting. I do agree mm. with you on some of the story beats and how the Chris stuff in particular doesn't quite land. But apart from that, it is um, an incredibly solid sequel. And I'm so pleased it was made because, you know, we used to have those news videos we did, our podcast that we did in the run up to it, whether we were, you know, we were wondering whether we wanted first person, we were wondering whether we wanted third person we didn't know what direction we wanted resident evil 8 to take but i'm so pleased they got the chance to build on what they brought to the table with seven and gave us this you know they can do whatever they want now but i'm so pleased that we got this proper sequel that just was you know for me for my money just just building on top of the solid foundations that were already there i think that the problem that i have and i have this sometimes where a game like if something doesn't stick the landing to a point where for the last sort of a half an hour or an hour of something i'm just kind of wincing at it and going oh I don't, you were building up to this thing and you, for me, you didn't land it. Then I have a hard time uh, reappreciating the rest of it because I feel like it's all building to something that doesn't come. So like they hang so much on what's really happening with Chris and because that stuff is so horribly, terribly written in the end in terms of why he's doing what he's doing and what's really happened at the beginning of the game and, and everything else um, that I found it hard to then be okay, but the rest of it's cool. Cause I did when I was playing through it um, until those big revelatory scenes, I did think the beginning and the majority of it was like solid. It was solid shooting. Like I liked the variety of the different enemies that you're going up against the um the pt style level is brilliant mm -hmm. just outdoing pt at its own game and um, that stuff is so solid and i think with enough time like if i really sit down and just completely divorce the subjectivity side of it then it does nail x many different beats i think it gets a lot of different things right i just think that yeah it was that whole feeling of just going into it wanting this kind of mystery extension of the story like bringing chris back in in such a different way redesigning him so much from re7 to make him this big main character again and then the way that they like they teased it as this big mystery thing and then they hang so much on that that is so flat for me anyway um that it made me go oh but i don't even know if the rest of it was worth it you can give me that aftertaste where i'm like oh god like what was what was all of this if this was what your end product was uh, or your end you game mean, yeah. was and yeah i know that that's that's definitely my thing i'm definitely coming to terms with that resident evil 8 is still objectively mechanically um one of the most recommendable games of the year it's still very solid i like how um capcom have embraced how arcadey it is just like here's the mercenaries mode here's the power-ups um here's your character losing a limb every 10 seconds um, and we <laughs> sort of steer into that stuff as much as possible um and the only other one to um spotlight before we uh, wrap up is hitman 3 and um, which you said you want to get back to but like what did you think of it going through it the um the first time 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I remember playing the first level and it's essentially like a dry run for IO Interactive doing yes. their James Bond game. Like you've got this <laughs> bad score, orchestral score going on in the background. You know, you're infiltrating this weird super pie, you know, going up and down this like skyscraper and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just thought like in terms of production values, it felt even bigger than Hitman 2 and Hitman 2016. I didn't mm-hmm. know if it could go bigger. I didn't know if it could go more lavish. And because, you know, these sequels have come out quite quickly from yep. one another. And I wondered whether it was going to be more of the same, but I liked what they added. I liked the focus of um, certain missions and how, you know, some of them broke from the classic Hitman ball to do something slightly different. And overall, it was it was certainly just an, an iteration of what they've previously delivered with Hitman 2 and Hitman 1 and all of the DLC and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like that formula is so good. I don't <laughs> mind. And I thought there was some genuinely standout moments from the whole franchise in here. Like I loved the um, where you're investigating and infiltrating the big kind of like British stately home. Like oh, the that Dartmoor mission one, yeah. was there. Yeah, that's it. That mission was definitely like the, the one for me, but mm-hmm. all of them I'm, I'm interested to go back to and just do in a multiple different um different ways that's kind of one of those ones a bit like mass effect where i'm like okay let like if we but not for this conversation necessarily but as a platform of games like as a chunk of games like if you combine 2016's uh hitman with i think it was 2018 for hitman 2 um you know and then you put that with hitman 3 obviously if you get hitman 3 you can plug all those level packs in like they knew what they were building the whole time and um, there's that great documentary i think it's by no clip um danny dyer danny danny dyer's no clip danny, danny dyer's no clip danny dyer's no clip danny <laughs> o'dwyer's no clip and um, where he dives into you know talking to io interactive about how they sort of got everything wrong at the beginning they had to reframe what hitman was they had to reapproach the development side of it do everything episodically um, and i think it's come together incredibly well like it just if you take those three games as a platform of hitman it's like arguably one of the most impressive things any team of people have ever built like it's ludicrous yeah. There's a um, there's a great super bunny hop video which essentially mm. makes that argument of you know this is one big game now like yes. you go on and you boot it up and it's they've made it as accessible as possible to access all of the levels you know they don't treat them as three individual things it's more like Even a rock band or a guitar hero or something you like plug it totally. like song packs level packs yeah yeah totally and uh, super bunny hop again made the made the argument as well for like the story like working t- t- better if you play it back to back to back mm. you know because all of the um, you know, little details that you might have missed in between years of playing them, like have more relevance, have more meaning if you play them all in one go. And I think, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. I fully agree with that video. I just think as as a whole, like the Hitman rebooted experience is like one of the best stealth experiences you can <laughs> ever get your hands on like it's a great set of levels it's a great set of mechanics and it's piss funny as well like it's got such a sense of humor it's got such a sense of personality it's got so much charisma to it like it's, mm-hmm. it's funny it's engaging it's solid and i can't believe that when hitman 2016 was announced as this episodic thing and i was like this is not what you should be doing this is oh. a disaster this is not going to be good and you know what I, it's proof that I rarely get anything right. Apparently, that because this is no, you completely get, proven me wrong. You get many, many things right. I think everybody back <laughs> then was, "What the hell are you guys doing?" Because the term "episodic release" just had such a poisonous kind of feel to it. Final Fantasy VII remake and um, being an yeah. episodic release, which, to be fair, they've just, they've still hidden to this day. Like the 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 listing on every storefront is Final Fantasy VII remake. But um, yeah, for Hitman though, I think that once they started uh, showing what they had, where it's like, "Here's the Paris level," um, or "Here's the Sapienza level," and look how much detail there is, then they only build on that going forward. 
The only downside to me is that I wish they did a bit more with the gameplay, um, because it, like you said, it feels like one big game, but that also means you only have one set of game mechanics throughout. Like with Hitman mm-hmm. 2, they made it retroactively that they they added a bunch of different hiding places. They made it so the um, 47 could like duck for cover and do like hiding hiding more bushes, hiding more hide, more spots to hide. Um, even in those original Hitman 1 levels, they were sort of like remade again. Um, but that's the only thing when I when I look at it as a, a level pack and I just start jumping into each one. Um, I don't know how many hours I've played of it now, um, but that's the only drawback is I kind of wish they had another little mechanic from Hitman 3 or something else um, that would retroactively make 1 and 2 fresh rather than just go back and, and do them again. Um, but that's not to take away from how much they've accomplished. I still think that, um, like I said, it's the most impressive thing like you know a team of creatives have put together in quite some time. But also in terms of, you know, we mentioned like Clockwork Worlds and Clockwork Video Games in terms of just being impressive um, works of art uh, kind of thing. Hitman's level design like is absolutely giving Bethesda a run for their money or giving CDPR a run for their money in terms of here is a chunk of humanity you can go and explore. And it's just the amount of overlapping AI scripts and things you can do um, is kind of just ridiculous. I almost think that like it, it deserves a Game of the Year award just for that. Because of all these games, they've never, you know, they don't get championed at the Game Awards. They don't get up there for Game of the Year. It's true. Yeah, and totally like, like, like you say, those levels, the scripts in those levels, mm. like that's, it's, it's something else to where everything interlocks with each other, everything interlinks, the amount of options that you have, the way that you can just be in that world. You can turn off all the hints. You can turn off all the prompts. You can still figure stuff out. You can still cause anarchy. You can still lead (laughs) creative kills just by understanding the mechanics and the physics and the reality of the world that the developers have constructed. It is, it's proper astonishing. And I, Mm. I, you know, I always wonder with every new Hitman whether or not they can do it again, whether or not it was a fluke, but they've done it too many (laughs) times to uh, make that a convincing or compelling argument anymore. It's just, they are next level. And Mm -hmm. man, I can't wait to see what they bring to this James Bond game or another franchise that they touch on. I hope they manage to keep that attention to detail and that level of quality in the level design because, you know, it should be championed more than it is. Yeah, man. I'm super curious like where they go from here because they've done uh, Freedom Fighters. They did Kane and Lynch. Like they've done, they've taken the, what has become Hitman's physics or the feel of Hitman and done third person shooters with it before um, or more sort of like action based stuff. And I'm curious whether James, whether the Bond game is literally just Hitman, like a Bond game with a Hitman skin or a Hitman game with a James Bond skin and how much of a crossover <laughs> there is there um but yeah going forward i mean all these games that we've um highlighted obviously there was that master list at the beginning but you still do have ratchet and clank hitman 3 returnal resident evil and disco elysium um that's a great point to be at the half point in the year um and we've got so much more to um talk about so we'll see which other ways we can pick it apart going forward we have a ton of different videos planned and we'll have a main podcast and well various main podcasts going forward i'm sure ben roy will disagree with me on resident (laughs) evil and i'm sure that will go on to dominate the rest of the year um but for now this has been what i'm going to call the just us league i've been scott tailford joined by Josh Brown. A pleasure as always, Scott Tilford. A pleasure <laughs> as always. I love your time. I'll catch you all next week. Bye bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.